are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kim. I invite you to journey with me to a new day. I believe God has led you to this moment and this place because he is about to bring purpose and potential to your story. So join thousands of women and men from around the globe who have discovered how powerful their stories become once Christ touches them with his purpose. Don't you long to make this same discovery? Then grab your coffee, scoot in, and join me as we let God's Word reveal how every part of your past has been preparing you for this very moment. Well, there's so much to talk about with this week's guest that we're just calling the show Unscripted, and we'll see where our guest leads us. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Coffee, Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. I'm Kim Crable, and I'm delighted and honored to be your host. Today's guest has worked as a journalist and commentator for more than 15 years. Situated in New York, you've seen or heard him in a variety of media covering the biggest faith-based stories in cultural faith. He is the author of four books, including his recently released, Playing with Fire, that explores the question, what is our fascination with the other side? Today, we'll talk about his books, but so much more as we go unscripted with Billy Hollowell. Hello, Billy, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. We've been trying to make this work for a few months and schedules and COVID and everything seemed to get Craziness. in the way. But I, it, isn't it crazy? It's just crazy. Uh, but I do believe that God's timing is always perfect. So whoever is on today is ready to hear what you have to say. So let's start out by having fun, Billy, Okay. I All right. To, Sounds I, good. You know, I, I am one of your four, uh, 46,000 followers on Instagram. That's a lot of people, Billy. That's a, you got a lot of got a lot of influence out there. But what I have noticed as I read uh, your Instagrams, what one of the things that I've learned about you is that you love to have fun, right? You are a fun person. <laughs> I see some of the memes you do, and um, what is it where you put your face on everybody? <laughs> <laughs> it's called it's called the reface the reface app, and somebody told me about it. And I went through a weekend a few weeks ago where I was just posting all of these, and you can take a movie clip and put your you know face into it. And so I do. I love to I love to have fun, and I love to be funny. I also love to be serious when it's appropriate but i i mean my personality yeah. is more cracking jokes and funny than anything yeah. else <laughs> well i i love that because i do too i love to giggle i'm probably the most one of the most serious people in the world but laughing to me i mean well it is it is medicine but i i got i was so tickled because after two or three days you put on there please somebody stop me it was just <laughs> and i'm so, so you make us laugh, which that comic relief is so important. Okay, so that you agreed with, and I've surmised from your life. Secondly, I've surmised that you're all about family. I see your little, I see your girls on there a lot. So tell us about your family. Sure. Yeah. So I have an eight-year-old and I have a five-year-old, and they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of work, but they're a lot of fun, and we we have a blast. You know, we during COVID. As a family, you know, we have a we have a townhouse here in New York and we really just um, we tried to keep life moving right during a time when, you know, for those listening in New York, obviously in the beginning, March and April of last year was hit really hard. We really didn't leave the house much. There were a lot of very sick people here and um, over 30,000 people died. I mean, it was a really crazy time um, in New York State. And so we just made our own fun. We, you know, we did family theme nights on Saturdays. We pretended we were on a cruise ship. We did camp night, you know, with a fake fire in the middle of the living room. We all slept downstairs. You know, we yeah. tried to do something every Saturday to make life feel normal. So we have a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, for us, it's just really trying to teach them the most important thing, which is faith. How do you move forward and trust God and love God and put God first in a world that 
is increasingly becoming difficult to do those things, and the distractions are making it, I think, a lot harder for many of us to connect the way we need to. So we're trying to we're not perfect by any means, trust me. Oh gosh, we're not. But we're trying to raise them in that in that way. <laughs> Absolutely. And I and I love that because I believe that's an undertone of building in faith into our kids without preaching it and without it's, it's just that it's that um soft serve of of focus and uh and I and I love that. I love that was something that was important with me with my two boys. So that great. All right, so we we know that you're you're you have love fun. You're all about family. This is getting more into the series of what I've learned about Billy Hollowell is that you look at the world's facts through the lens of God's truth, and you're always trying to combat and conquer the facts with the hope of what God has to say to us. Would you agree with that? That's always my goal. Absolutely. I mean, that's my goal, and I and I think. You know, I think sometimes people will think, oh, well, you just think you're right all the time. It's like, no, I'm just trying to figure out what is the truth. I think mm-hmm. there is such yeah. there's such an assault on truth right now across the board. And I think that it's very easy for us to assume like we're Christians. That's not going to affect us. But but it right. does. I mean, it, it, has, it has come into the church as well. And so, you know, trying to discern not through the lens of what somebody in politics tells me or through the lens of what a person is telling me or an, an organization, but through the gospel and through Jesus, what that's the lens. And I'm so imperfect and I fail every day and I, and I'm not right all the time. I don't think any of us are except for Jesus. So, but trying to do that and, and keep that lens and refocus it when it gets blurry, that to me is the, is the goal. Absolutely. And I think that that, I think, to me, that is what the world needs to see is that we're not running from the truth. We truly see the truth. We understand the truth, but we know that there's something or the facts. We see the facts of what's going on. I see you've just quoted statistics and things that were going on in your area. So, so rather than feeling like that, we, we do not come under that umbrella of all this. I think it's one of the things that I really appreciate about you is that you do quote the facts. You see the facts but then you stand up to it with the truth. And the truth is our hope in the midst of all this, correct? It is. And and I think the thing that troubles me the most about myself, okay, so, and I think this is something that we should all think about, and I'm trying to think about it more. If we're saying or doing something that is becoming a barrier for other people to see who Jesus mm-hmm. is, then that's a problem. And I'm saying this as somebody who, you know, my entire and I'm not diminishing what I, the work I had done, but a lot of my work was in political news. And, you know, I've, I've written 14,000 stories over the last, you know, decade and a half. And when I look at that, I'm so proud of so much of that work. But I also look back and I think, gosh, there were so many times that I led with a Republican talking point or a conservative talking point, or I led with something that at moments, may have not been helpful. And I'm not saying that anytime you have an opinion that is one way or another that it's unhelpful, but I know for me there were times that I said things or my tone wasn't helpful. And, and when I look back, I think, and even now, I mean, I still struggle with this, am I saying something that's actually going to turn people away from Jesus? Because no matter how passionate we are about a topic or a thing or a person or whatever, if, if talking about that is going to hurt a witness, we got to be careful. So that for me is something that I'm trying to focus more on now, because I think right now the world is very divided and there's a lot of battles we want to win right now here on earth. And it's okay to fight those the right way, but when we don't fight it the right way, it can have actually major consequences for the people who are watching. You know, Billy, you really hit on a topic right there that I'd like to just I'd like to just settle there because even last night, I mean, it, everyone seems to be so on edge. It's just like there's just this underlying anger and explosiveness, uh, uh, you know, in the grocery store and different places. Even I don't know if you, I'm sure you do watch football. Even last night, the football game. I mean, they were the fighting and the things that that happened on the football field. And I'm thinking we're all just on the edge of exploding. You see it on Facebook. You see it on social media. So let's talk about that. As believers, what is what what is your advice? What do you say to yourself before you um, start communication? Before you start articulating your thoughts? Before you post? on Facebook, what, because we, we're called to be ambassadors of Christ, to be different. 
how do we start that today? Because I'm starting to see where it's all beginning to bleed together. We're all kind of looking the same. Yeah, well, and that's and that's the problem. I mean, I'm trying to think. There are times I delete things. I've written a lot of things in the past week that I have deleted before I've sent. And I think it's actually, I think we should all have a three-second rule, maybe even a five-second rule, yeah. where we actually read it over and think, what message is this sending? Now, there are times that I think it's absolutely worth sending a message, and we, and we have to sometimes, we have to speak the truth. We have to always speak the truth, not sometimes. But we have to do, I mean, speaking the truth in love is something we hear people say all the time, but I think a lot of us struggle, and I know I have to live that out. You know, if we're going to tell the truth, for instance, I would say there are a lot of people right now who I have taken heat for because they assume that, oh, you're anti Trump, for instance, or other people will say you're pro-Trump and that's terrible. And it's like you get caught in this mix. and It's like, I just want to talk about the truth. That's all I want to do. I don't even want to. And listen, I worked in in politics and news for so long. I don't even want to be there. I want to be I want to do things that are going to spread the gospel. That is my focus. So I think Mm -hmm. taking that moment to think about it before we send it. And I failed there. So again, we've all failed is important. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not, you know, it's not how many times we fall it's when we step back up. Right. And so I think that that's an important uh, issue that I, I know we're talking about a lot in, in with, with my ministry of like, how do we, how do we say, I used to tell my boys, you can say anything that needs to be said, just know how to say it. And I think that that's the important thing because we can't lose our voice. As a matter of fact, really, on your Instagram, and I've just listed some of the powerful things that you've said that maybe we'll talk about. And then the last half of the show, I'd like to talk about your your, your books. But speak, talking about the speech, um, you had written, the measure of how truly free our speech is centers on how we handle the speech we hate. I'd love to, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think I think right now we've conditioned and I teach, you know, college students because I I love to and I teach them communication and speaking and you know, we get into debate and discussions of of tough issues and you know, it's interesting to me because I feel like we're raising entire generations of people and even the the older generations right now have been conditioned because of social media because we create our own little groups, right? Um, and it's yeah. fine. I mean, listen, we, we all go to churches. Those are our own little groups, and that's great. But when it becomes something that you can no longer tolerate someone else's perspective, that's a real mm-hmm. problem. And I think – and when I say tolerate, I don't mean agree with. I don't mean say that you – this isn't this kumbaya we're all going to agree. It's just being able mm-hmm. to say, you know what? I disagree with you, but I don't need to diminish you or demean you or cancel you because of it. We have this cancer culture, which is what I generally call cancel culture, that really seems to be overtaking us. And if we don't like what we hear, not only do we lash out, a lot of us will try to make sure that person is never heard from again. And that's entirely problematic because our, our speech, right, the value of free speech can really be measured by how we treat those with whom we disagree. And of course, there are certain, and people will always say, well, what's the limit? What's the limit? And I think we, I think the problem is that there was always a very clear limit on where we would say, okay, that's too much. Now, you have the freedom to say those things, but there are consequences, right? So there are things you're going to say that will have consequences, but when mainstream Christian beliefs or mainstream political beliefs or whatever you want to talk about start to become something that is treated like a line has been crossed and people are being canceled because of that, that's a major problem, and it should cause us to pause and think, okay, what do we need to do to make sure that our, that our speech is healthy? And I would encourage anybody, you know, there are a lot of people right now who are feeling like they're on the chopping block for what they think or what they believe, and many of the people going after them are people who previously were on the chopping block for what they thought and what they believed, right? And yeah. it's interesting to me because we probably should all take a step back and say, mm-hmm. what was it like when I had the power, when I had more social mm-hmm. power, um, and what was it like when I had less social power? And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking in a lot of abstract language, but I think, I think if we all took a step back and thought about that, we might act a little differently when it comes to this issue of free speech. Well, that's true because at any at any point the power can can turn. I mean, we, we things are changing so rapidly right now. It's it's really hard to even know. I mean, you have to come back to what you were saying or what how we started with you know finding 
um, finding your place, no matter that the truth in the midst of all the facts, to, to be able to stand on the truth. You hit on the uh, can, uh, cancel culture, which you uh, on your uh, account had cancer culture. You say it's malignant, damaging to free speech, and frankly horrific. And what makes it so toxic are most who are doing it, and you said on both sides, are completely unaware or in denial. How could that be? I so agree, but let's just talk about that. How can we be in denial of something that's so damaging? Because I think that what is happening in culture, and I do think this has infected the church a little bit too, or quite a bit, is that emotion has become fact. We've, we've been conditioning people to believe that what they feel is true. And when you condition people to believe that, that and when emotion is merged with fact, then every action you take, you justify, and you justify it so much that you say, you have no right to make me feel sad. You have no right to assault my quote-unquote facts. And it just, it's, it's a very toxic dynamic because in the end, emotions are not facts. Emotions can be valuable. They can also be very dangerous. They can lead us down the wrong path. There's nothing wrong with experiencing an emotion. It's what we do with it that matters. And Christians believe that the lens through which those emotions should be viewed should always be predicated on Jesus and that there are things we feel or we think or we believe that are not in line with Jesus and that as Christians, we need to make sure our life is then aligned through Christ. And the rest of the world believes that emotion is what drives us and whatever you feel or think is going to be your vehicle to move forward. And so for me, when I look at this and I see some of that happening in the church, whether it's politics, whether it's whatever it is, something takes the place, it nudges the Jesus factor to second place or to the passenger seat instead of being in the driver's seat. And so this is what we're starting to watch happen. And you don't even realize it's happening. I mean, I have seen things in the last couple of days of this person did this during the election. So that person shouldn't be allowed to ever be in a church again, or this person said this. Now I'm not saying we don't have conversations about who is and who isn't appropriate to maybe speak to a congregation, but to blanket cancel people and then to do it so freely I think is evidence that we ha- are no longer realizing what we're doing and that we're, assu- we're assuming our emotions are so important, so sacrosanct that we can just push everybody else out of the way and not only push them out of the way, make sure they can never get back on that road to drive again. And that's a real problem. Well, absolutely. That's a place where we, we certainly don't want to go. And um, 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 we see the world going there very quickly and um, accelerate at an accelerated pace. And it's, it's almost like some, it's like we have to figure out a way to stop, stop the madness and in, in, in all that's going on. You know, I think that, you know, with what you were saying, I, I'm very clearly hearing you say, you know, that we're not to compromise. So listeners, it's not that you compromise uh, what you want to say or, or how you feel, because the Bible clearly tells us to be courageous and confident, but but Jesus said, you know, he walked around, he was moved by compassion. So somehow bleeding together, being courageous, God confident, and being compassionate in this world, you know, it, it comes to a point to this, Billy, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this. When you're when you're considering the life of Jesus, when you're considering the world in which we live today, when you see the rights that are so easily being blanketed and, and turned away and, and shut down as, as, as we did with seeing different voices shut down on social media. And, and they're saying that that's going to grow larger and larger, more people just not being able to have a voice. Let me ask you this, from your perspective, when are believers to take a stand and when are they to, to walk away from what's going on? Yeah, I think it's always I think it's always appropriate to take a stand and to speak the truth in love, not to just speak the truth and not to just love, right? Cuz that's the yeah. we have these two dynamics right. where people just want to love 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 and when you start to just do that and there's no truth, you're actually not loving people, you're misleading them. Exactly. You're leading them down mm-hmm. a path that is dangerous and damaging to them, and that's a real problem. On the other side, when you're just doing truth 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 and there's no love, what you're doing yeah. is you're becoming militant, you're misplacing people, you're pushing people out, and you're really not showing that love of Christ. So it has to be both. So I think it's always appropriate to take a stand. And if you're doing it in a loving way, if you're mixing the truth with love, even if you're quote-unquote canceled for it, you know you've done the right thing. I think the problem we run into is that we have a lot of people doing either the truth or the love thing, and not only is yeah. it misleading a lot of people— 
it's actually giving the wrong example to the world of what Christianity is. And so, listen, Christians are, this is, I think there's also this false belief. Being a Christian is amazing, and it's not hard once you're in it, but there are sometimes consequences to it. And I think understanding that being a Christian is not always going to be easy is important. I do think we we sometimes will walk around and we act like it's just so difficult, just so impossible. Well, that's not the right posture. At the same time, right. to pretend it's just so easy, just love everybody. Be so, well, no, it's not, it's not going to be easy because it's something that calls other people, right? Even when you're living your life and not doing anything else other than live your life, living your life through truth, it does make other people feel convicted, right? Because it requires something of you, faith. And so mm-hmm. to get back to your question, I think we always need to stand our ground. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with calling, calling out the fact that we've seen accounts be closed, that we want to understand what is going on on social media, that we would like, we would like an explanation for what is happening. And I think standing up to that, again, truth and love is important. I'm hearing a lot of people say, well, the, you know, they've been doing this and they're so terrible and it's time to fight. We need a real fighter. Okay, well, what is a fighter? I think in a Christian sense, a fighter is somebody who's going to find that balance and they're going to do it in a way, at least from a Christian perspective, that's going to reflect the heart of Christ, not the heart of an angry person who is showing no love whatsoever. And so, yeah, we, we can't mistake love to be weakness because that's not, or, or to assume that right. love is that you're never going to take a stand. But but I, we need to find that balance, and we need to live that out in our lives with our coworkers, our friends, our family members, and I think politically broader beyond that, um, and when we deal with culture as well. Absolutely, I, and, and from that, you know, everything that you're saying there just makes me think that when before I make before I take action, before I before I say or do, it's like I I have to come back and question myself: Are my is are my actions aligning with God's word? Is what I'm about to do, would that be something that uh, my husband in his professional world, he'd always say before he made a decision, if this is posted on the front of the New York Times, will I be okay with my family reading it? And, you know, it's almost like you have to ask that question. If I do this, you know, is Christ going to be happy with me? Is this something that he would find pleasing? I believe that would stop a lot of things that probably I would say or do or um, that would probably calm me down a little bit because I, I, I get so involved in all this, but I do love this. I think of the scripture where it says it's better for us to put a millstone around our head than to hurt or harm, you know, someone who is the least, a new believer, basically, is what it means. So we have to be careful. There's a responsibility to what we say and what we do. People are always listening. So you, uh, another, Billy, another uh, one of your Instagrams, you put a lot of people are Christian until it feels bad, becomes challenging or requires diminishing self over him. Yet Jesus calls us to die to self. I, all, all of these are just so pertinent, I think, to today's world. Could you explain to our listeners what, what it means to you to die to self? What, what does that mean in today's world? Yeah, I mean, I think that what's so interesting is that for, for more than 2,000 years, dying to self has really met, meant living for God. And not just living for God, but acting and speaking and behaving not only like Jesus, which is the core of it, but but obviously in line with the way that God would like us to live. And I think we, I don't think, I know, we have a blueprint for that. We have it in Scripture. We see it through Jesus' life, his interactions. You know, one of the most overused claims, you know, is that, you know, flipping, Jesus flipped the tables over. You know, people love to go to that yeah. example. And you, know, you yeah. always need context, but it's very clear when you look at the life of Jesus, how he behaved, how he treated those with whom he disagreed. Uh, and and sometimes he he treated those with whom he disagreed, the religious leaders, with, with some harsh words, right? There were times that he right. did, that he stood up. Um, and so it's important to look at those examples. But it really means dying to self, which means that you might think, feel, or want to do something. You might think it's okay to steal something from a store. You might really want it. But that's not the right thing to do. You know that. When you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guides you to know the right thing to do. And so often we will choose the thing that is not right. And I think what we're watching right now is a lot of people in the world are saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and they're behaving in ways that show the world the wrong example of what it means to be a Christian. And we're all guilty of that 
at moments. We are all sinful. We all make mistakes. None of us are perfect Christians. But I think there's a real danger to walk out and to tell people, live your life however you want. You're the arbiter of your own future. You do, you know, this is the message that is being spread in many arenas of progressive Christianity today, um, basically telling people that they can sort of do what, what feels right for them. And that is not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is to do what is right through Christ. And so that's a hard message for a lot of us. I think what I would say to people who are skeptical of that is I would say, okay, well, let's say hypothetically, even if you don't believe that there's a God, let's say God created the world, he created the universe, and he put everything in a particular order, and he set things in a proper way to behave and work, and he set us in a proper way to behave and work. And when we choose not to live in that way, it knocks things out of order in our lives. It creates chaos in the lives of others. And so even helping people who don't believe understand that dynamic, okay, just think about this, right? There's an accountability, but not just that. There's, there's a way that things are meant to work. And so a lot of us are bent on trying to make things work our own way, and that is not the way. <laughs> so right. there's a lot there, but I think that's incredibly important for us in this time, in this culture that is feeding us so much garbage. I mean, gosh, turn on your TV at 8 p.m., 9 p.m., and look at what's mm-hmm. on. We are inundated with messages that run counter to this, and it's important we're aware of that. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, in, in my world as a biblical counselor and, and the ministry that I have, you know, what I'm seeing right now is just people are just fleeing in fear. There's so much fear. There's so much worry. People are losing their hope. There's so much sadness. People are going, falling back into their addictions. Uh, abuse is going on. I mean, the, the statistics of domestic violence, I mean, everything is just so chaotic. And that's just as much as those who are proclaiming to be believers as those who are not. There's just there's this blanket, unfortunately, that seems to be covering all of us. But in the midst of that, Billy, I believe that there are those who are the, the true believers that are, are are really finding their place. They're they're answering the questions, and I and the questions I've asked here have been very intentional because they're feeding people who are wanting to guide itself. They're feeding to those who want to find hope. So the questions I've asked you, thank you for answering those in such a biblical way because there is a rising, I believe. I believe there's going to be a fresh anointing on God's people as we get our, find our footing again in this world. I believe there's been a little bit of a lackadaisical, like I'm not sure what to do and we're just kind of taking our breath. But I do believe that God's people are going to take a, a greater stand in a, a loving and truthful way. So thank you very much for ask, uh, answering those. I think that you've given a lot of people some real good practical application on, on the next steps, which is what I love. All right, before we go to commercial break, I, I, one of the other things that you've written that I love, um, and I meant to go back and get the dates on these. I was just scrolling through yesterday and, and picking out some of the things that I want to talk about today. But you have listed three simple truths. Now, I know you and I both love to help people discover the power of their story. I love to have a platform for those stories. That's what really excites me more than anything, is to find someone who feels like they're so unworthy of God, they feel like that they're too late or too old or too messed up. I love to use the scripture to prove to them who they really are in Christ, restoring them in Christ and, and helping them uh, not only be healed, but to, to find their voice of hope in this world, mainly because that's, that's what God did for me, and I'm so thankful for that. And so I'm basing all that on what you put on the Facebook, three simple truths. Number one, Jesus sees everything that you face, and I think that's whether it's facing your past or facing your future. Two, Jesus understands that pain. I love that, love that. And three, Jesus touches things that are dead, and he calls things back to life. Billy, Billy, Billy. I love, love, love that because I just feel like that is the hope that we have in Christ. So we just just talk about that to someone who feels like Jesus has left a building, that, that he doesn't understand their pain and that their life is dead and there's no hope. Speak to those people today because there are zillions of them out there. Yeah, and, and, you know, so many of us, we go through different circumstances. Some of us face bad decisions that we've made, and we face the results of those decisions. Others are facing things that are outside of our control, disease, illness, the death of a loved one, a family member. And so there's different types of pain, but I think all of those different types of pain can leave us feeling angry and frustrated. And it's so funny that you're 
bringing this up because I was working on a story today, and it's going to sound strange, but just stick with me, um, on Justin Bieber, the, the pop star Justin Bieber. He, over yeah. the weekend shared an image of himself seven years ago being arrested um, and he was handcuffed and the police were leading him out. And he wrote this message on Instagram about God and how angry he was at the time when he was arrested. He was going through a lot of things. He was angry. He was frustrated. He was mad at God. And he now looks back at that. And this is what's so interesting about life. When we have the moment to look back at something that we've gone through and we have, he's had seven years to reflect on this, to realize that God was just as close to him then as he is now. Right. So now, mm-hmm. now he's walking with the Lord. He's close to the Lord. And he looks back at that yeah. time and he was so angry and frustrated, but Jesus was there the whole time. And so I think the thing for when we're going through those moments, cause I have faced them. I have made so many terrible mistakes, things that I've done that it, you know, I've been ashamed of and, you know, decisions I've made that were not good. I've also experienced things that have happened to me that were outside of my control, but that nonetheless affected me that when we're in those moments that we actually cry out to God, even if we're mad, even if we're feeling anger at God, even if we're confused and that we, we turn everything over to him. And that is such a hard thing to do, but you, a, you have nothing to lose by doing that. When you turn things over to the Lord and you really say, I'm broken, I'm before you, Lord, please Show me the right way forward. Show me how to fix what I've gone through. Give me the strength to get through the thing I can't control. When we do that, it changes everything. And so another thing helpful for me is when those moments do happen, you know, I keep a journal and I'd encourage people to do this. I am, I have ADD when I'm praying. Okay. So I'm, I pray and my mind goes up. And so I write my prayers down for me. Okay. That's how I categorize them. And so having the ability to go back, whether or not you have a journal and look at those times when you were struggling, what you were saying, and in the days after that, how God guided you through that. It's always amazing when you're looking at the blueprint forward to look at the plan from the past that, that really guided you through something. And so I would encourage you to at least think through that. What's another time that I struggled? What was God saying to me then? How was God there for me? Um, but if you're in that position now, turn to prayer, turn to God. There's nothing more important or impactful than that. Absolutely. I love uh, the, one of the, the foundational uh, scriptures to, to my first book, <clears throat> excuse me, Birds of Blessings is Matthew eleven twenty eight, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest there means reversal in the Greek, burden. Burden actually means a task in waiting. So those things that are burdening our heart, that are trying to bring us down, are truly things that God can touch, reverse, and turn it into our own personal ministry. I love the power of Jesus in our life and what he's waiting to do for each and every one of us. He calls us unto him, and I love, love, love him so much for that. Billy, thank you so much. We're going to take just a 30-second break, and when we get back, we're going to continue this incredible unscripted conversation with Billy Hollowell. So we'll be right back in 30 seconds. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee with Kim, conversations of friends of faith to encourage and equip. We're so glad that you're here. Before we get back to our guests, I'd like to remind you to check out our Facebook page at um, facebook.com slash roses and rainbows or go to Instagram. Or if you are in an area where you have faith-based TV, please check out the Coffee with Kim show or the Burdens of Blessings teaching series that I do. We've been blessed to be able to be on 14 different faith-based networks, and that is for us to build a platform where we can get together and have a conversation. You know, what you say in your story really matters. It's important for you to share that. So please find a way to meet with us. We are stronger together. Well, we want to meet back with our guest, Billy Holloway. I could sit, I have, Billy, I printed out your bio. It's about 1,400 pages long. (laughs) You you have done a lot 
in your life, and it, it's so fun to uh, be able to actually have you here and have your thoughts. I've read, I follow you, as most of my friends do. You have such a strong, strong voice, Christian faith-based voice in this world. And so I just thank you for being one of those men who um, really take a strong stand. So thank you again for being with us. Well, thanks for having so, me. I'm, I so appreciate it. Absolutely. And, and like we had talked before, we have so many friends in common. And I love the fact that the, the believers, the Christian community, you know, come together and, and help one another. One of the things I like to tell um, the women is that, you know, we don't compete or uh, compare. We, we really use our skills to complete one another, to help advance the, the calling that God has put on our lives. And I see you doing that for so many people with your radio and your writings and, and everything else that you do. So, but let's get into this book. My goodness. So you've written, let, let's, let's talk about how you've written four books, right? Yes. Yeah. That's correct. Okay. It your is. latest one being uh, playing with fire. And so it is, it, it says a modern investigation into Demons, exorcism, and ghosts. Now, I'll tell you what, that's what caused you to want to go there. Because that's pretty, even for those in the church, it's like how many people are like, oh, I don't know that I want to go there. So I love it, but why did you want to go there? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even want to go there. I have to be honest, I did not <laughs> want to write it. I didn't want to go there. You know, God sometimes <laughs> puts you on weird paths or strange paths yes. or things you can't understand. And this is an example of that. Um, this is a oh. book that, <clears throat> I mean, this is a book that I had been offered to write um, a few years ago, and I prayed about it, and I did not feel right about it. I, it just, at the time, something did not feel right. It's a very heavy topic when you're talking about mm-hmm. possession and you're talking about spiritual warfare. And as a journalist, though, I've always been really attracted to topics, especially in the Christian world, that are things that the church struggles to talk about or doesn't always want to address. Now, a lot of churches address the issue, but I do think, and I do know for a fact, that many don't. And there are many Christians who don't really know where to turn on these topics. And so, basically, I had pitched a book a couple of years ago, and I was really passionate about it. I was really excited, and nobody wanted it. And it was about politics. It had nothing to do with this topic. And one of the publishers called after the after everybody rejected the book and said, you know, we'd love to explore other topics. And so we had a phone call and I had mentioned this book that I had said no to. Um, but I, I just mentioned it because, it, to be honest with you, I was ill prepared for the meeting. <laughs> and I thought just, you know, this is something that this is something that I had worked on. You know, I thought about. Um, but let's think more about ideas. And it was the craziest thing. I mean, they called my um, agent and made an offer for me to write this book based off of a one page, you know, proposal. I didn't even write a proposal for them. And I won't lie to you. I sat on the book for playing with fire. I sat on the contract for about two months and I prayed about it because I'd already gone through this once and I did not feel right about it. And I had a lot of people speaking into the process saying, you shouldn't write a book about evil and Satan because Satan wants that attention. Satan, you know, likes that attention. You're giving attention to something you shouldn't. And what was interesting was that I started to feel more and more of a peace, and I started to feel like that wasn't the right answer, that Satan likes more than anything to hide out and to yes. to basically, I think, interfere with our lives in ways that we don't realize and lead us down paths that we don't realize we're going down, and that the church really needs to have conversations about this, and that, yeah, it's uncomfortable, and yeah, it's a tough topic. And so I really embarked, and I'm going to tell you this because it's, it's interesting, when, and then we could talk about the actual book, but I think this part is important because a lot of us yeah. struggle with things and whether or not God wants us to do things. I felt strongly that God wanted me to do it. And I also felt strongly that it was a real opportunity to actually live out my faith in a deeper way. You know, a lot of us, we don't wake up and do quiet time every day. We don't read the Bible every day. We, we, it's so easy to get off course because we're busy. And I kind of found myself in that place. And so I knew if I was going to write this book that I was going to read the Bible every day, (laughs) that I was going to be praying every day, that I was going to make sure I was doing the right thing because I didn't want to be talking about this topic without doing the right thing. And so it's amazing since finishing the book and and releasing the book, it is totally transformed. I mean, I wake up every day and I read at least a chapter in the Bible and I pray. Okay, so 
and that has not stopped. And so it was an amazing chance to kind of grow my own faith and to also feel peace on this issue of possession and demons and these really heavy things. I had never felt peace about it. I was always afraid. It always freaked me out a little bit, even as a lifelong Christian. But understanding that we have authority over those things as Christians transformed the entire process for me. And so and the entire way I look at I look at evil and I look at, at our faith. And so I wanted to say that before also saying that, you know, A, I was interested in the topic, but B, I felt really called to do it. And, I, and I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, absolutely. It's an incredible book. You know, I had it, I had it right here. And um, actually, I, I ordered us three or four copies to give to people. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned, we're in the process of the moving and our movers picked up the books and took them. So I don't have it in my hand. And um, so, but I did read it. It's fascinating for the listeners to, to grab this book. But, you know, Billy, going back to what you were talking about, it, it, I, I think you're so right because when you said the enemy likes to hide out, you know, I, one of the things that I'm a, an observer of just ordinary things that I can perceive spiritual thoughts about. And one thing that I realize is, you know, we, we have a local uh, pro team, uh, professional football team here, the Ravens. One of the things that I noticed about the Ravens is that, um, you know, they never run out on the field and go, oh, yeah, we're playing the Steelers today. Gosh, that's, that's great. This is, no, before they go on the field, they know who their opponent is. They know the tricks that they have. They know their plans, right? And they know how to defeat them. And I think that's the great greatest purpose for this playing with fire. You've got to know your opponent and, like you said, know the authority that we have over them. So it's a great, great book. I just, uh, it's, it's, you have to read it and think about it and dissect it. It's deep. Um, but wow, is it really, um, it's really a powerful book. So, um, well, and, you know, everything you're talking about, one of the things that stands out to me is Ephesians, Ephesians 6, which I've read so many times, obviously. And I always overlook this idea, though, that we're, we're in a spiritual battle. And I think when we look at culture and all the chaos we were talking about earlier and all the things that are going on and the confusion, I had never sat down to actually isolate evil in the Bible. When, when Jesus talks about Satan, when you get the attributes of Satan, when you go back to Genesis, you know, from the first part of Genesis all the way through, I had never isolated that out, looking at the stories of Jesus healing people of possession. And when you do that, you get a really clear sense that, of who Satan is. He's a deceiver. He seeks to kill. He seeks to destroy. And you look at the world that we're in right now, and many of the attributes of Satan are actually playing out in culture. And it's, it's actually really fascinating, and it helps, it helps us to understand this, because if we just look at the material we're missing something. Ephesians 6 makes it clear. You're in a battle. You need to have yeah. the armor of God. And, and what does that mean? It means being a Christian, living a Christian lifestyle, praying, being in touch with Jesus. These are the things that we are called to be doing. And so, you know, understanding Ephesians 6, but beyond that, really understanding how evil manifests itself and the stories of what people have gone through. You know, we talk about storytelling These are heavy stories that are told in Playing With Fire, um, and not everyone's yeah. going to believe them. But I think being yeah. able to understand this is the perspective of the people who have gone through them. And if this is true, what does that mean for us? Absolutely. Billy, what are some of the mis- uh, common misconceptions about um, what the Bible says about the demons and Satan and spirit and all this evil? What, what do you think in the, in the Christian world, what are some of the misconceptions? Well, I think the biggest misconception is that, and maybe it's more more than a misconception, it's an error, is that these are things we don't need to be talking about, right? And I think mm-hmm. I think because culture, because culture has actually started to talk more about evil and the demonic than the church has in some ways. And what do I mean by that? Yeah. Well, movies, Hollywood, and and I'm not saying they talk about it in the right way, but they're right. talking right. about it, right? It's it's showing up more in movie theaters than it is in some churches. And that should be convicting, right? Because if we are not talking about a topic that is throughout the Bible, this is not something that's mentioned once. It's something, especially in the New Testament, this shows up a lot. Um, If we're not talking about that and understanding it, and culture is putting out a perception of what this is that is not accurate, but they're talking about it more, we've got a real disconnect and a real problem. And I think because of how culture talks about it, that leads us to feel like it's weird and we don't want to address it or that, hey, that's just something, you know, off on the periphery, off on the sidelines, 
we don't need to talk about it. Well, that's a mistake. So I think there are two mistakes, though, in that regard that are made. Some churches, they might see a demon under every rock. Everything is demonic. Nothing is a bad or a poor decision. Every disease is demonic. Every illness, mentally or physically, is demonic. And then on the flip side, you have people who are never talking about it at all. And so both of those things are unhealthy. Mm, Yeah. Love that. The balance isn't there. Okay, now here's what people are going to work. This, I think, is something that really scares people. And I think maybe this is why they don't talk about it inside the church. It's like... Talk about the um, the difference between demonic oppression and demonic possession. Should Christians be worried about the power of demon forces, demonic forces in their own lives? And I'm talking about the influence outwardly and the internal. Let's, let's, that's a deep subject, but let's let's go there. It's very important for believers to know the truth on this. Well, yeah. Can you? I'm sorry. Can you just repeat that last part again? You broke up just a little bit. Yeah, the difference between demonic oppression and demonic possession. That for yes. for believers to to not fear that they can be possessed. Let's let's talk about that. Yeah, and that's that's so important because one of the biggest questions that is investigated in the book is whether or not Christians can be possessed. And yes. you know, there there are so many different terminologies and that's what's really what was really helpful for me in writing Playing with Fire and I hope it's helpful to others is to really unpack this issue, to understand what does scripture say, right? What does it mean to be yes. possessed? What is infestation? What is oppression? Um and even within different realms, exorcism has different meanings, right? And so mm-hmm. deliverance, all of these different terms Now, there are different schools of thought on Christians when it comes to the levels to which believers can have, um, you know, spiritual warfare go on. But basically, Mm -hmm. what we need to know is that Christians, according to all the experts I spoke to in the book, are not going to face possession. Full possession is something that is very rare. It's when you've given yourself over entirely to these demonic entities. You've done something that allows them to have full control over you. And that's what we see in scripture, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. You see these examples. I think of the little boy, and that's a whole other. I, I talk about this in the book as well. There are two children who are described as being possessed, who Jesus heals in scripture, and the little boy whose father tells Jesus he's being thrown into the fire. It's trying to kill him. He's being thrown into the water. It's trying to drown him. And you think, my goodness, these people are no longer in control of themselves. That is something that happens. It is rare. What is less rare is oppression. And that is something that could happen to anyone. It could happen to a believer, to a non-believer. And oppression takes many forms. It might be ideas that are coming through your mind. It might be lies that are coming to you that you're not worth anything. You don't matter. It might be events that are happening. It's, it's evil pressing in on you. It's not evil controlling you, but it's evil in some way manifesting itself in your life. And so that's a quick explanation of it, but I go into detail in the book. And, you know, one of my goals was to talk with people who work as deliverance ministers. And though, and mm-hmm. now I'm going to oversimplify this, but, but a deliverance minister, for those who don't know, is sort of the, the Protestant outside of the Catholic Church realm of somebody who's dealing with the, basically an exorcist, essentially. But it's, it's a little mm-hmm. different. But that would be the simple way of describing it. And then you have exorcists, and you have people both inside and outside of the Catholic Church who would call themselves exorcists. Their job is to help heal people who are dealing with possession. But with deliverance, there are some who would say, okay, well, every Christian should go through deliverance. Now, not everybody believes that. And so there's a little debate about deliverance, but it is. But what we can agree on and what we know that Scripture tells us, again, Ephesians 6, there's a battle over good and evil. We have to have the shield of faith, and we are not promised that we are going to be immune from the effects of evil. It may not control us. It may not possess us, but we are not going to be immune from that. And so how do we we defeat that? We live a Christian life. We, We combat evil with the good of Christ. And so... That may sound simple, uh, but I unpack a lot more of that in Playing With Fire. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the, our listeners and the ones who are listening today and the ones who will be listening to podcasts, to really be able to get the book so that you can understand this better. Because quite honestly, Billy, when people first hear this, people, when, when, when you start talking about this, they start thinking about movies that they've seen on TV, The Exorcist, different things like that. And that's really what our mind goes to, not that it's a reality in our world in which we live. It's, it, that's a hard concept for people to, to, to believe. Well, and it feels weird, right? And, and it, it feels yes. like a strange topic, which makes it hard 
to discuss. I, you know, I wrote a book about the end times as well a few years ago, another very Mm -hmm. difficult topic for people, but I think this one is much harder. And, you know, I'll be in a, in a couple of weeks um, doing a debate, a discussion with uh, Michael Shermer, who doesn't believe in these things. And, and, you know, my, my thing, when you tell people stories and, and I've been doing this for a long time, just like you have, and you encounter people who have gone, I have gone through things that are unexplainable, right? That, that I have seen happen. And I know plenty of other people who have as well. And so it's very easy to, to dismiss these things outright. But when you start to dive into the stories of people whose lives have been dramatically impacted by evil, and you start to see the effect of that, it's, it becomes undeniable. At the least, you have to say there's something going on here that I don't understand that I cannot explain. And so that, that's essential for us, I think, to, as a starting point. And I can't tell you, I can't say to people, you have to believe all the stories in playing with fire. You don't have to. But what I will tell you is that there's compelling evidence and that mm-hmm. we know throughout the history of humanity that every group of human beings in this world has had stories of this sort of thing happening. Why is that? Now, some will say, oh, people are superstitious. Well, life is a little more complicated than that. And as Christians, we know, we know what we believe to be true. But people outside of the church, I think, have, have a real burden to try to understand why every culture is experiencing mm-hmm. things like this that they cannot explain. Absolutely. So, Billy, let's get to the hopeful side of this. How does understanding, how does how does we, you, you began answering this a little bit, but how does understanding about demons, uh, demonic warfare, spiritual warfare, how, how can that actually bring us a greater peace? Yeah, that is so, that's so important. And that's what it did for me, you know, writing this book. And I hope it does that for readers. Cause I don't want people to feel like, Oh goodness. I've had a lot of people say, I can't pick this book up cause it'll freak me out. And it's like, yeah, there, there are tough stories in it, but the goal is to actually give you peace. And yeah. I think one of the things that I actually wish I would have had this opportunity sooner because when you look at evil, when you truly understand those attributes of Satan that I mentioned, when you truly grasp it, it actually points you back to your need for good. You actually are Mm -hmm. pointed back to the need for Jesus, why Jesus came to save us and the dangers that exist in our life when we're not careful, when we allow ourselves to go down a path we were not meant to go down. This all connects back to our earlier conversation in the show Um, And if people are just tuning in now, going back later to listen to that is important because, you know, what does God want for our life? What is the plan for us? When we deviate from that, there are dangers there. And so does this mean that every single person is going to face, you know, possession? No. Again, this is something that's rare, but spiritual issues and spiritual warfare, is it's not rare. It's something that we can all face. So understanding it, just like you were saying before, there's a reason that language put on the armor of God is there. You're protecting yourself. Why do you put on armor? To protect yourself, to live your life the right way, to find that peace, and to be on guard and be defensive and defend yourself when you need to. And so that is why it's so important. And I think it's a conversation. I know it's a conversation the church has to have. We did a survey um, with Playing With Fire of church leaders, and it was fascinating to see everybody say, yes, we 100% believe this is a problem in the world. It's an impacting culture. It's impacting people. But when you ask the question, is your church talking about it enough? The vast majority of church leaders are saying, no, we're not talking about it. So we know there's a deficit in this area. Yeah, well, absolutely. And it kind of takes me back to uh, one of the third thing that I had surmised about you before I actually talked to you was that you look and you're taking it through the biblical perspective, but you're looking at the facts, but looking at things through the lens of God's truth. And that's really, you know, otherwise my, my whole life was, was you know, the, the enemy just about stole my whole life because of something that happened to me at the age of four. You know, it was I was in my 30s before I was able to come back around and be restored. And that's people all over the world. It is the demonic forces. It is the evil. His plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. My mother's last words as she lay dying were, Kim, don't live like I'm dying. The enemy had, had so made her feel, you know, just look good, sing pretty in the choir, do everything that's expected of you. But the influence there was, you know, God is just not, you know, he just can't forgive you. It's just too great. And I believe that more than anything, Billy, that that's the greatest demonic uh, forces that we face every day is just not living our best life, not finding the confidence to step out and be 
who we know that God has called us to be, don't you? I mean, it can be so, it, it, it can seem so big with the demonic, but it can be broken down into just everyday living, being able yeah. to confront the demonic to live your life today, because one day makes another day makes another day, right? Absolutely. And I, and I want to say one other thing that's just kind of on my heart because it's something that I struggled with. Um, and I think, I think that the enemy uses other people to chip away at us sometimes too, and yes. not allowing ourselves to be confined to what other people are telling us. I know there's people listening who your, your parents or your family or your friends or enemies, you know, quote unquote enemies, people who you aren't friends with, they've said things about, they've, they've spoken over you things about your life that aren't true. Um, or that don't need to be true, right? And this is not to say that we shouldn't listen to the advice of the people who love us, but I do think that there is something to be said for people who will tell you things about yourself that are damaging, and you start to believe those things instead of believing what God says about you, about your worth, your value, who you are, who you're meant to be. And so those, those are really important things to be aware of, and I wish that I would have shed, I mean, I would have shed those things earlier on. I can't even believe that I'm on a podcast talking or that I've, been able to write anything. I had people tell me, you can, you can't be a writer. You won't be able to do that. Or you can't, you know, you can't, I was petrified to speak in front of people, right. Because of the things that people would say. And so we cannot allow ourselves to be defined by that. We have to define ourselves by what God says, not only about us, but what he wants for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the message in, in all of this. And that I that I know that both of our hearts are is for people to really come to the realization of who they are in Christ and to live that life. Do whatever one of the chapters in my book is called about fighting for your future. You know, don't let the past hinder you. Billy, we only have about four minutes left, and two more things that I want to uh, two Instagrams that I saw back at the beginning of the year. You wrote, "Lord, help me to honor you in all that I do in 2021." Yesterday, your Instagram said, Lord, make me more like you today. What do those two things, what would that look like to live, to, to be more like him today and to honor him in all that you do? What does that look like from Billy Holloway's perspective? You know, for me, I struggle to, I, you know, I can be a complainer, you know, which is a terrible quality. It's not what God wants in us. And so I actually say those kinds of prayers every day um, because <laughs> I struggle in that area. And I know that being more like Jesus, you know, having gratitude, loving others, not being so annoyed with people who I'm working with or around, <laughs> you know, and, and <laughs> that's not to say anything about the people I, I work with, wonderful people, but just not allowing myself to be negative in those ways and making sure that I'm following the path of what is meant for me and what really honors God. Because I will tell you, working in media or working in entertainment or any of those industries, and I think this is the case for a lot of industries, but it's so easy to make it about yourself and your goals. Mm -hmm. And that is a daily struggle that my goals really don't matter. And that was a really hard lesson for me to learn um, because my Mm -hmm. goals need to be what God's goals are for me. And so that that means seeking, asking, trying to figure it out. And that is a daily process because I will tell you, I can start out at 9 a.m. on the right path and by 11.45, I'm doing my own thing. And so you know, you've, got, you've got to keep on that path. And that, so that really just is seeking God. Where do you want me, God? What do you want me to do? I mean, I work at, I work at PureFlix now. I'm the director of communications at PureFlix. And if you had told me that I'd be here a few years ago, I would have laughed at you. But this is where God has, has led me, right? And so... That is so important. And, you, and when you follow that path, when you look back again at the past, it's so easy to see how it all comes together and, and that really what you're doing is, is for him and not just for yourself. Absolutely. Great. Billy, what an honor it's been to have you. I could have gone on and on about your accomplishments and what you do and what you are doing, but I felt like what was most important was for people to hear your heart and uh, to know more about the man uh, behind the the microphone and the writing. So thank you so much for being so real and sharing and, and continue on. And friends, uh, please contact you. Con- Billy, how can they contact you? It's com, correct? Yep, billyhollowell.com. And I also have a substack. So it's uh, billyhollowell.substack.com. And I do a lot of writing there as well. Okay, great. 
All right. Well, listeners, I just I know you've enjoyed this. If you have any questions, you can contact Billy. He's also on Instagram at Billy Hollowell. Uh, good luck getting on. He has so many people on there. They're going to close him down. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> These days, uh, nothing would you. surprise me. <laughs> no, no. Hey, Billy, finally we were able to have this conversation, and I thank you so much for joining us. Let's do it again sometime. I'm happy to come back anytime. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you again. And listeners, thank you for joining us for coffee. I hope that something today that you heard truly did inspire you, encourage you, or equip you in your life. I'll see you next time on Coffee with Kim. Bye, everybody. Bye, Billy. Bye. To learn more about Kim's books, teaching materials, or to invite Kim to speak at your event, please visit Kim. Crable.com. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, to learn more, please visit KimCrable.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.